0: Welcome to the Master Gardener Hour on this gorgeous Saturday. Uh, Spring is in the air, and um, because of that, I have a special treat for you guys today. Um, Our guest is going to tell you or share with us um, her secrets to gorgeous, gorgeous annual beds and pots, and it's... um, it's a thrill to have her here. It's Jenny Hardgrave of Simply Flowers Incorporated. Welcome. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. I know. We tried for this is the, uh let's see, we've we've tried three times to do this. Yes. And we had snow the first two uh dates that we had scheduled and um I was like bound to determine. I said we're gonna have the, <laughs> we're gonna have her on the show just in time for spring because everybody wants their yards to be gorgeous and their pots to be gorgeous and you You are the woman... To talk to, and you can lead us all in the direction to gorgeous. And by the way, she has an absolutely gorgeous necklace on today, and it's got all the colors, and she's got pink on, and um, she's very colorful. So, but <laughs> welcome to the show. We're glad to have you. Well, thank
1: you. It's exciting to be here. I can't wait to to share some information and hopefully inspire
0: your listeners to do something beautiful this spring. Absolutely. Well, why don't you give our listeners a quick bio? Tell them about yourself and how you got started in the business and, um, and just tell us who you are. Okay. Well, my name is Jenny
1: Hardgrave and I'm the owner of Simply Flowers Incorporated. I started the company in 2001. We were I was working for a large landscape company that was being sold and I thought, well, you know, I can try now to see how it goes on my own and if it doesn't work out, then I can go back to work for somebody else. Well, that was 13 years ago, and we now have over 500 accounts, and we've just been going gangbusters ever since. It's a lot of fun to do my job every day. I love my job. I can't wait to get out of bed every morning and go to work because I get to make people smile, and there's no greater privilege on this earth than to make our community beautiful and to make
0: people smile. That's great. Well, um, I have been at uh, quite a few Malta awards dinners, and she is, yes, She's gotten tons of awards for her gorgeous beds and her containers. And, um, I've seen, I've seen you receive quite a few actually. So I sit mm-hmm. in the back of the room and, and <laughs> she's always there front and center. And I've just, I mean, her, if you go on her website, it's simplyflowersinc.com and you will see some beautiful examples of what she does. And I guess you do residential and commercial. We do. We do
1: residential, we do commercial, multifamily. We do little properties and we do huge properties and
0: a little bit of everything in between. Okay. So, unfortunately, for the people that live outside the Atlanta area, you can't have her. <laughs> it's just for the Atlanta area. and But you can um, listen to all of her wisdom and uh, do it yourself. And for the folks that live in the Atlanta area, if you don't want to do your own flowers, you can always call Jenny. Or, uh, you can give it a whirl yourself because she's got lots of information to give us today and we're looking forward to it. I, after, after this interview today, I expect to have better flowers this year myself <laughs> and if I don't we're going to have to have another interview right great I'd be glad to come back absolutely anytime. absolutely um, okay so what do I guess what's the best thing to start with maybe soil prep bed prep because that's I guess you know, people don't think about that but that's probably it's a pretty important thing
1: it is I mean it's just like the foundation of your house if the foundation isn't solid the whole thing's going to fall apart so we've got to start in the soil you've got to have a amazing soil to have amazing flowers. And the first thing that you need to do is understand that Georgia clay is a terrible planting medium. You can't just go out and dig a hole and plant flowers in the native soil because they're not going to work out. We need to amend the soil and the easiest way to do that is to go to one of your garden centers and pick up some organic soil amendments, and you want to till that into the existing soil and build the bed up so that it's six to eight inches above the rest of the area surrounding it. And you want that to be nice and loose. The darker the soil is, the more nutrient-rich it is, and also the, the better it's going to grow. Um, if you have that soil built up six to eight inches it's also going to help with drainage so water doesn't sit in the flower bed and rot the roots of your plant material so start with that really nice rich
0: organic material to build the bed okay well um do you just is it usually already um it's just compost that you put in is it nature's helper is it you can you can use both um, the
1: nature's helper helps loosen things up it gives it more drainage mm-hmm. if it's too rich on the compost side, it can get a little bit gummy mm-hmm. so the nature's helper helps it have more texture to the soil so that it will drain a little bit better
0: okay all right and now what about uh, fertilizer?
1: I like to use a slow-release fertilizer. After you till the bed and you get all that um, nice soil in there, you can broadcast a slow-release fertilizer over the top of the soil and this is going to last, you know, anywhere from three to six months. So You put your fertilizer out and it takes care of your plants throughout the growing season. You may still want to supplement your flowers with a liquid feed, um, but the broadcast fertilizer is going to help it keep going throughout the season.
0: Any particular brand that you're crazy about, I mean, for the fertilizers?
1: Um, You know, Osmocote is a great product in the summer, and I know that that's readily available at most of the retail outlets. Um, You know, any type of a miracle Grow type solution, if you want to do a liquid fertilizer, those work really well, too.
0: Okay. All right. Um, And... uh, like, a, I think when we were talking earlier, I was at Home Depot this weekend, and everybody, in and well, this is in Atlanta, everybody was buying flowers. And I thought, oh, somebody's not going to be happy, because <laughs> I don't know about this. Weather's been wacky this year. It has been. It has been wacky. But when do you, I know if you have a, over 500 accounts, you can't, you have to start, I mean, early enough that you can get everything in before the heat hits, I would imagine correct. Right. So when do you guys start? We will start on April 14th, depending on what the weather
1: forecast tells us. Mm -hmm. But typically, April 15th in the Atlanta region is our last frost date. Now, it has come later than that, but on average, it's April 15th. Now, it's exciting to get spring fever right now and to run to the garden centers because they do have some gorgeous materials. But those materials, if we do get some hard frost between now and when spring hits a little harder, you could lose those materials. It's just best to wait until after April 15th for all your tender
0: bedding plant materials and your vegetables. Okay, okay. And I've heard that if you put plants in too soon and the soil temperatures are not up to where they should be, that the roots just kind of sit there. Is that true?
1: That's true. And there are plants that are more sensitive to that than others. Um, vinca is one that you want the nighttime temperatures over 50 degrees for those to really take off. Any type of a tropical plant like caladiums, vinca, hibiscus, any of the more tropical materials, wait until after May first. On those, we want the temperatures at night over
0: fifty degrees for those mm-hmm. to do well. All right, okay. So you, everybody, you've been warned. Do not <laughs> put your flowers in. Go to the mall instead. Don't go to. Don't go buy plants. Go buy shoes or whatever. But do not. Don't. Don't do it too soon. Exactly. Which it's hard. I mean, it I'm, is. So I'm hard. dying. I'm dying to get out there. I. I oh my god. I'm this dying. winter was so hard I mean we're all ready to
1: see the sunlight and the flowers Mm -hmm. and to feel the warmth but the flowers do need a little more time oh
0: it's so hard not to and this weekend is going to be gorgeous it is it's going to be gorgeous I'm excited yes yes Oh, believe me (laughs) I'm excited to see the sun oh gosh I'm, I'm ready I am ready okay so let's talk about um well I guess you need to plan you get, need to plan your design. You need to think about the colors that you want. I mean, there's a lot to think about. Exactly. And I guess now, and and actually when I, when we, well, we were going to take this earlier, but the snow. But we, the whole time I th- said, okay, we've got to air this beginning of um, end of March, first of April. Because... Every, I want this fresh in everybody's heads because I, I want everybody to be excited and to listen to this and say, okay, we're going to have to start planning. It'll give everybody time to plan and think about what they want to do. And then when Jeannie says it's time to plant, you can plant. Exactly. So we're going to, let's, so let's talk about the design and planning your beds and your pots. Okay. All right. So what about color? Maybe first think about your color. Yeah. Think about colors.
1: Um, With color, it's so individual. The great thing about a garden is that everyone's garden is a reflection of his or her own personality. When you think about your wardrobe and you look at the person sitting next to you, you're not dressed alike. You have your own influence of style and color and texture and how you put your clothing together and your accessories. It's the same way in your garden. Make your garden your own. Pick the flowers that you love and pick the colors that you love. If you're a pink person, pick pink flowers. If you love orange, orange is a great color. So putting the colors together that feel good to you, that's how you should plan the colors in your garden.
0: Now, what about coordinating it with your the, the color of your home? Your brick color, your siding, your everything. So that, that
1: is definitely one way to look at it. And if you have other blooming plants in your yard, like if you've got crepe myrtles or roses or other perennials coming up. It's important to think about if you've got a fuchsia crepe myrtle, you might want to kind of coordinate with that color with your flower garden as well. And with the brick of your home, you want something that's going to look nice with that. Another way to look at it is how is the interior of your home decorated? And will you be viewing your flower gardens from the interior of your home? Because it almost becomes like a living painting as you're looking through your window, and that coordinates with the, the cover um, of your sofa and your drapes and your carpets, and all of those things work together. So those are different ways to think about
0: the color. I didn't think about thinking about the inside for the outside.
1: Yes, I learned that from Jim Gibbs of Gibbs Gardens.
0: Oh, gosh. And when
1: I worked for him many, many
0: years ago, he taught me that little trick. A great guy, too. Great guy. Amazing great. talent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so colors. We're going to decide about colors. And um, I have a landscaper's uh, color wheel so yes. I can say, Okay, this is this color, this is this color. Would you recommend that people maybe get one of those? Both buy one or just is because I know there's opposite colors, side by side colors. Talk let's talk about the colors, combinations that work really well together.
1: Okay. Well,
0: the internet is a great
1: source for a color wheel, so you can pop onto lots of sites and see what a color wheel looks like. And the color wheel is divided into warm colors and cool colors, and then there's primary colors. Your primary colors are blue, red, and yellow. And if you put those three together, it's called a triad. Now, a triad is a fabulous combination for a bright pop of color. Um, another triad is purple lime green and orange these give you a big pop of color Um But they're very bright, and it may be too bright, and it may be too much contrast for home. It just depends on what you like. So if you like those together, I personally love those together. They work really, really well on commercial sites, um, and they can work well at home as well. But if you want to go a little bit softer, you can do colors that are side-by-side on the color wheel, like pinks and purples. And greens.
0: Okay, great. All right. Well, we've got to take a quick break. Okay. And then we will come back and we'll pick up on color so we can all start thinking about that. So we'll see you in a minute.
2: When gardening is part of your life, it brings so much. Healthy eating, the freshest, most local produce, and playing in the dirt at bonnieplants.com. You'll find all you need to succeed. When you grow Bonnie Veggie and Herb Plants in beds or containers, you'll know where your food comes from. Homegrown veggies and herbs ready for cooking, eating, and enjoying. And you did it. So get growing with Bonnie Plants.
3: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you
4: like. Quick Stakes, that's... QUIK stakes are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick stakes, Q U I K stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now.
0: Welcome back to the Master Gardener Hour. We are speaking with Jenny Hardgrave of Simply Flowers, and she is telling us how to have fabulous Beds this summer with lots and lots and lots of color, and you will be the envy of your neighbors. So, okay, we were talking about color. Yes, we were. All right, so warm, you hit warm a little bit, and then you went on to cool colors. Exactly. Now, cool colors are
1: going to make you feel calm and relaxed, and at the end of the day, that might feel great when you come home. I love to do cool colors, especially in a back garden next to a fountain or somewhere you might read or relax or grill. at the end of the day, these are great colors. The cool colors are more of your blues and your purples and your greens and you can use any variation of that. You can go to a lavender or a pale blue or a dark blue um, light greens, dark greens these are all of the cool colors um, On the other side if you want a place that's exciting and fun, maybe to dress up a pool area, make it feel tropical, make it feel lots of fun, try the warm colors in those situations and those are your reds, your yellows, and your orange Those colors are like a party. They just pop out. You see them. They advance towards your eyes. You're viewing those colors. And those are great for a a really happening area in your yard where things are busy.
0: And I would imagine if someone is driving by your house and those are the colors the real bright reds and yellows and blues those really pop from the street they do but the, I guess the, the and the cooler colors are for more detail up close would, exactly would you is that true uh,
1: yeah I think so you know and if it just depends on how you put all those colors together mm-hmm. the best way to get high contrast is by using complementary colors and that's like red and green if you think about reds or pinks which is a variation of red. If you think about those in the landscape, they always look amazing in the landscape because their natural complement is always there. The green of the grass, the green of the shrubs and the trees, um, All that green is always there and it makes the reds just pop out.
0: Okay, okay. And so, um, what about, okay, you said something about a triad, okay, Mm -hmm. but aren't there partial triads? I mean... There are. I mean, and there's no wrong way to put color
1: together, which is what makes it so much fun. Mm-hmm. If you want to do a partial triad, that would be like a purple and a lime green. And mm-hmm. that would be, the the full triad would be a purple and orange and a lime green. Okay. Or you could do an orange and a lime green together. Those are fun. Or a purple and an orange together. Again, those are really fun
0: combinations. And if it feels good to you, do it. Okay, all right. I've actually put um, pink and orange together. Oh, love that combination. And it didn't look
1: bad. Love it. I absolutely love it. I love using an orange Lantana with mm-hmm. like a pink bronze leaf begonia. That's a really fun combination. It's a little funky. It's a little bit different mm-hmm. and it's not what everybody's got out in their yard.
0: And I guess trial and error. Exactly. I guess as long as you've been doing this, you know what works and you, you, and you have to experiment, correct?
1: I still experiment to this day and sometimes my experiments work and sometimes they don't. And that's one of the great things about annual color is it's not a very expensive Plant, right. and if your experiment falls flat, you just swap it out and do something a little bit different.
0: Okay. All right. Well. Okay. Then I'm gonna. So it's you uh, have permission to play. I'm gonna do pink and orange <laughs> again. Okay. You, you can say it's do okay. That. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Now, what about? Um, okay. So you said uh, complementary colors are opposite on the color wheel. Right. And then analogous colors are... They're side-by-side. Side-by-side. Mm-hmm. Okay. And those, some examples of those would be... That would
1: be like red, yellow, and orange.
0: Okay. Um, it would be
1: like purple, blue, and green. Okay. Those are the ones that are that are side-by-side. Side.
0: Okay. Now, what about monochromatic?
1: The monochromatic is going to be variations of the same color. If you think about red, and you added red paint and white paint together, you would get pink. Mm-hmm. And if you added more white paint, it would get more pink. Um, If you added black paint, it would get to a darker red. And those are monochromatic colors. And it's really kind of fun to do that in the landscape, to go from an almost white to an almost black plant and having all those shades in between, mm-hmm. especially like I love it with pinks. You can do it with greens. You can do it with purples where you just have different shades of the same color. Okay. And that's a very different way of doing it, but there's also a very soothing effect to that. And texture becomes very important in a monochromatic color scheme because you need big leaves and small leaves and big flowers and small flowers to really make that monochromatic concept work out. So
0: lots of variation. Exactly. Okay. All right. Um, And you said the colors that give the most um, impact are the the hot colors. Right. Yes. The reds and the blues and the yellows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I always, I kind of go to that each year. Maybe I'll change. <laughs> so what about this year? What are the big colors this year? Well, if you look
1: at the Pantone charts for 2014, mm-hmm. the the top color for ladies' fashion this year is called Radiant Orchid. Mm-hmm. And that is the color of 2014, according to Pantone. And basically, it's kind of a combination, bet- somewhere between a pink and a mauve and a purple. It's a really nice color, and it works for um, for ladies, it works for men, but it also works in your garden um, Um, There are petunias in that color. There's vinca in that color. There's angelonia in that color. So that's the hot color of this year. The other thing that we're seeing in color trends this year is um, there's still a lot of the bright colors out there. Again, Pantone, I believe one is called cayenne and another is celosia orange. One Mm -hmm. is kind of a reddish color. The other one is more of an orange. But they're also introducing pastels. And we haven't seen pastels coming up in fashion or the landscape in several years but that pastel trend is coming back around it's just being introduced this year and i expect to see pastels becoming more and more popular this year and probably in the next few years
0: we'll see more pastel colors okay so radiant orchid radiant
1: orchid and that's the color you're wearing today by the way it is okay (laughs)
0: Well, see, I'm, I'm, I didn't even, (laughs) oh my God, I didn't even try. Absolutely. Okay. So we like, we've, we've decided what colors we like. Mm -hmm. So let's think about design and, and I would imagine you have to, I mean, do you sketch your beds out? I always start with a plan and the plan is subject to change,
1: but I like to start with some sort of a concept. I want to measure my bed. I want to know how many square feet I've got so that I know how many plants to buy when I go to the nursery. And I like going to the nursery with a shopping list because as much as I love flowers, if I go without a list, I'm going to buy everything in the place and spend more than I should. So I want to start with that plan and that design And then I know exactly what I'm shopping for. Oh, that's so hard. To it's so hard that's to do. So hard to it's do. To it's do. like going to the candy aisle, you know, at the store. It can, you can get in trouble. Or really quick. No <laughs> lipstick. When I oh, go to my, yes. it's like,
0: oh, I'm, this might look good, and then when you get home, it never works. Out. <laughs> but, yeah, it reminds me of the same thing. Okay, so we're gonna work on our design, and okay, I um, I think I had heard you say before on a, at an earlier um talk that you gave, which um, and you were talking about. Um, when you drive by someone's home, not only is those really bright colors, but what about the design? Simple for far. I mean, for far away, when you're looking at someone's home, if you're really trying to do your beds for, you know, to right to, to um, torture your neighbors because <laughs> they don't have beds that look like yours. So.
1: Well, the, the rule of thumb I like to follow is for a drive-by bed, you want very simple, very clean lines, um, a limited selection of plants, because and you want high contrast in those situations because you're not going to appreciate the detail as you're driving by very quickly. Now, when you get up close and personal, like in a container, in a window box, things that you're going to be up close and personal with, you can appreciate all those little nuances of color and texture and all the details of the flowers and the leaves that are in that bed so you can do more of a mixed up cottagey kind of a garden in a close up space whereas if you looked at that same garden from a distance it would just look like a mess Um, you want in the drive-by beds to have very clean and simple lines with distinguished layers of plant material.
0: Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, And we talked about uh, complementing your home colors that Mm -hmm. we... Think of, I mean, if you've got a wild – I've seen some homes with some wild colors. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've got a friend um, who – she's um, president of the Homeowners Association, and she called me and said, you know, look at – will you look at our entrances and see what you think? And the first thing I said, their sign, it was – the the lettering was gold but the background was this blue green color mm-hmm. and i said you have got to change the color so everything fights with that Yes. all the flowers yes everything fights with that sign color so so she did so she had it painted the background black and it looks Fabulous. Yes, it looks fabulous. The background can make
1: all the difference in your flower bed. I tell people, you know, if you're in the design phase of your home or your business and you want to put in a flower bed, make sure you put green plants behind the flower bed because for that very reason, you don't want it to fight. Mm. The nandinas, the little plants that get red leaves on them in the right. fall, they're almost impossible to put a flower bed next to because that color, that red and that orange and the yellow and the shrub, fight with anything you try to do in the flower bed so keeping a simple backdrop of a pure green mm-hmm. will make the flowers
0: pop really pop yeah absolutely okay. all right so if you're if anybody out there and they have a uh let's see Oh, God, what would be a bad house color to have? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Name some. I said, what color would be awful to work with? Well, blue green. The teal color. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it was tough, but it does look great now. It's so tough. I was yes. very happy about that. So, um, okay, design. So we have our design. We know what we want. We have our shopping list. Yes. We're not allowed to go because <laughs> then you come home. Don't go to the grocery store hungry and don't go to the plant store without your list. Exactly. Or it's. All bad. All bad. So let's talk about placement of the plants. Okay. Because that, I mean, now we're going to get in some really nitty gritty. (laughs) This is where you get, this is, this is hand slapping time that you got to follow this for sure. Exactly. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, placement. Let's talk about spacing. People tend to put things too close together.
1: Exactly. In the summertime, your plants are going to grow fast. You're putting in your good fertilizer at the beginning. You've got your miracle Grow to, to go back behind your plants with. Um these plants are going to grow. In the summertime, we generally plant flowers 10 inches on center. And what that means is from the middle of one flower to the middle of the next flower, we want that to be about 10 inches. And that's a great spacing guide for a lot of your typical bedding plants in the summer for your begonias and your vinca, your zinnias, um, Joseph's coat, salvias. All of those are going to be great on 10-inch centers. Now you can spread petunias and lantanas even further apart because those plants get huge. Huge. Um, In the commercial market, we still do 10-inch centers because that's what our clients would like to see um, at installation, but at home you can definitely space those out and save a little bit on your budget by having plants that grow bigger
0: and fast. Okay, all right, so don't put them too close together. Um, what about, you said something um, earlier, not today, but at an earlier um, um, presentation that I saw you at. You said to avoid shallow rooted trees because people tend to put beds around established shrubs and trees.
1: Right. That's correct. A lot of times when we buy our homes or we start our businesses, you know, we'll put a tree out there like a river birch, and it needs a flower bed under it. But as that tree grows, the roots take over the space. And in a fight between a tree and a flower, the tree will always win. Always. And it will steal the nutrients, and it will steal the water, and it's better to avoid those situations.
0: Okay. All right. We're going to have to take a quick break. And then we're going to come back and talk more about our annual beds.
2: When gardening is part of your life, it brings so much. Healthy eating, the freshest, most local produce, and playing in the dirt. At BonniePlants.com, you'll find all you need to succeed. When you grow Bonnie veggie and herb plants in beds or containers, you'll know where your food comes from. Homegrown veggies and herbs ready for cooking, eating, and enjoying. And you did it. So get growing with Bonnie Plants.
4: This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
0: Welcome back to the Master Gardener Hour. I'm I'm your host for the day, Anita McKee, and I'm here with Jenny Hardgrave, and we are talking about Fabulous uh, summer annual beds, and she's giving us all the tips. So, when we, brought, we took a break, we were just starting to talk about uh, trees. Right. And planting um, flowers too close to trees and the, the flowers will always lose They will um, You know, at it, it first When you
1: have those trees And you put a bed under it It's going to work great For a year or two But when the plants Are fighting with the tree It's best to just give up on that space and move the flower bed elsewhere. Um, you don't want a competition between your trees and your flowers mm. because the flowers will lose and, and you'll be disappointed in
0: the outcome. Well, I, um, I've i had that experience before. I put a bed in. It was near a, a maple tree. Now, maples, they have a lot of feeder roots. They do. So they do. And I finally gave up because every year I would have to dig all of the new roots yes. out of the bed. And it was... Just, it was like a mat on top. Exactly. And I finally just I finally got smart and just gave up. So, right. You know, I'll just give you that tip so <laughs> you can save yourself the aggravation of what I put myself through for probably about four years. And I finally said, I cry, Uncle. I'm exactly. giving it up. So, if all
1: those roots are all over the bed when you're trying to prep it, it's really time to give up on that space. Time to
0: move along. And,
1: and move your bed somewhere else. There's another great place to put it.
0: Okay. Well, I'll have to start hunting for a couple of months.
1: Right. Or get some containers. If you really need color in that space, mm-hmm. get some fabulous containers and put your garden in there.
0: Okay. All right. All right. I'm going to I put it on my list when I go <laughs> to the store. Okay. We talked about uh, green is the easiest backdrop. It shows off all the colors. Stay away from Nandina's because yes, of all the please. colors. Let's talk about... Um, choosing good partners because we have to think about water, we have to think about uh, light requirements, fertilization, and all plants are different. That's right. And know your sun exposure in your yard. Exactly. Absolutely. Don't put a shade plant in the sun and vice versa because you will be, you won't, will not be happy, so let's talk exactly.
1: about that. Okay. Well, I like to use this comparison. We would never plant a water lily and a cactus in the same place. Because, Ooh, good as yeah. Good So, as we, as we think about that kind of comparison, there's a lot of flowers that love water and there's a lot of flowers that don't need a lot of water, um, so we don't want to put those together. If you've got a high water requirement next to a low water requirement, one of the Plants is going to thrive and the other ones not. So it's best to get them grouped together. Lantana, vinca, um, the perennial types of salvia, those are great plant partners because they need the same amount of water. You can put zinnias in that same mix, and these don't need as much water. Now, if you want to plant a standard salvia, like the red salvias that you see, begonias, um, the sun patients, those need a lot more water, so you want to make sure that, that they have their own special grouping. Um So you don't want to mix those two. If you try to put a Vinca and a Begonia together, one of those is going to work great and the other one's not.
0: Okay. All right. What about, um, you know, when you put um, containers together, mm-hmm. you've got a thriller, a filler, and a spiller. Correct. Do you kind of look at annual beds the same way? Because you've got, I've seen, you know, the tall stuff in the middle or to the back, and then it just it layers down. So do you take that approach? I do take that approach. You know, you um, in big flower
1: beds, you need an accent plant. You need something to anchor it. And it becomes like an architectural element. In the backs, we'll use bananas or elephant ears or lilies or big grasses. And those become an architectural anchor in the bed. And then you can build from there. And then you take your layers down so that you've got, you know, you've got your thriller, which is your accent plant. And then you've got intermediate plants. And those can be caladiums or coleus as um, kind of your second level. Then you can come down for another level and you can do a begonia, a zinnia a vinca and then in the front is more of a border plant where you might think of the spiller type of a concept you could use petunias a blue fan flower duranta joseph's coat um
0: some kind of a sedum
1: some kind of a sedum mm-hmm. anything that stays kind of low
0: okay all right okay um, um and we talked about exposure um. Let's talk about. Okay, you we don't want to mix our sun and our shade plants together. Right. Watch our water needs. What I know there are some plants out there that you have to really watch for root rot and fungus on the roots. Let's Absolutely. talk about those. And I think those would be the big V word and the big P word.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um. Vinca and petunias, they're both fabulous flowers. I love petunias so much that that's what I named my dog. He is petunia. I love this plant. Um, The thing with petunias though, you cannot put them back in the same bed two years in a row. If you had beautiful petunias last year, don't go back with the same plant this year. They're very susceptible to a root disease and that root disease is always present in the soil, but it multiplies year to year and the more frequently you put that petunia or that vinca back in the same bed, the more likely you are to lose it. Um, Also, if you have vinca in your beds and you start seeing the bottom leaves are turning yellow, that usually indicates that there's a problem going on with the roots. If they die and you pull those out, put a different plant back in to replace it. If you replace it with vinca, it's going to die again because that root disease is there. One of the easiest ways to avoid this disease is to rotate the plants from year to year. If you used vinca last year, try begonias this year or zinnias or lantana or verbena or a different type of plant.
0: Okay, okay. You'll have more success. And I had heard that Vinca and Petunia do not like wet feet, correct? That is correct. Okay.
1: They're correct. This is a, They are both what I call water-smart plants, that they're going to do well. Whatever Mother Nature is dishing out, they're going to do pretty well. They just don't like to sit in water.
0: Okay, all right. But they I, can
1: take the heat, and they can take the dry.
0: Okay, great. I do love them, too. I do. My dog's name is Odie, not Petunia. <laughs> I do love Petunia. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, uh, how about, can uh, okay, we talked about rotation, um, heat-tolerant plants, which I, there are really a lot of them out there. There are a
1: lot, and our market since 2007, when we had a problem with the drought, our market has become more sensitive to using water responsibly, so there's a lot of plants on the market that can take the heat, and they don't need as much irrigation, Lantana, vinca scavola verbena um portulaca those are all great choices for areas that may not even have irrigation
0: okay all right and cactus and cactus yeah and sedums and sedums yeah oh, I, I love sedums, sedums. I, they've got some great sedums mm-hmm. great sedums
1: and purple heart is another one that's great it's just yes. a purple leaf um it's beautiful it's,
0: it is beautiful it's very vibrant and it lives forever. It's a perennial. It comes back every year. Unless we get some really, really cold exactly. weather. So it'll be interesting to see if mine come back this year. Because mine went crazy last year. Um, what are, let's, let's talk about impatience. Oh, oh, so sad. sad. What a, so
1: what a sad. devastating thing. Impatients a few years ago came down with this disease called Downy Mildew. And it's not just in the Atlanta area. This is all over the world. It started in Europe mm. and then it came over to the U.S. And the standard impatiens that we love in the shade, they're just not... They're just not an option anymore. Uh-huh. You may still see them at the retail stores, but they're not going to go the distance. They're probably going to die out in June or July
0: mm-hmm. because
1: they are susceptible to this downy mildew. And when you start seeing white specks on the plant, it's over.
0: And it's it's airborne, correct? It
1: is airborne. And they they haven't found any chemicals yet to combat the problem. So the best choice for your shade areas is to avoid the standard in You can use New Guinea impatiens and you can use the sun impatiens. Both of those work and they are not susceptible to the disease. Other options for the shade, you could use Coleus or you could use Caladiums. Those are leafy plants but they look great in shade areas. Um, Also, the dragon wing begonias, the angel wing begonias, Mm -hmm. those are great shade plants as well. These are different than your standard begonias. They've got a larger leaf, um, but they're just beautiful. beautiful. I love the dragon wings because they can go from full sun to full shade, and either way, they do great. And they forgive you if you forget to water them. (laughs) I love them in a pot. You know, when they get dry, their leaves will kind of curl up and turn gray. Uh And then you put a little water on them. A couple hours later, those leaves are open and they're green again.
0: Oh, God. They are great, though. They are great. As actually, Cheryl, the other co-host, she's looking for white right now, so I'm on the the hunt for white for her. So she's on the garden tour this year. Okay, so she's a crazy woman. <laughs> she has a fabulous <laughs> garden. I will say that. Um, what are some of your personal favorites? Your the plants that you like? Flowers? I, I know you love petunias. I do love petunias. <laughs> um, I love all of the flowers. I think it's so hard
1: to pick a favorite. Um, Angelonia is one of my favorites. It's also called a summer snapdragon. Mm-hmm. This is a great plant for the background of a bed. It comes in blue and purple and raspberry, lavender, pink and white. So there's a lot of options for that, and they have different sizes of them too. They come from you know anywhere from 18 inches to about 24 inches. Love that plant, and I love begonias. People may think I'm crazy because I have clients who say, "Oh, I don't want begonias because they're kind of boring and every." Everybody's got them. Well, I happen to believe that begonias are fabulous. They just need good friends, just yes. like the rest of us. When you pair That's them up right. with the right
0: stuff, they
1: look great. I agree
0: with you. I agree. Mm-hmm. I love begonias. I do. And they they can take the full sun. They can take the shade. I mean, they're, and they great. Go the they're distance very versatile. And- Mm-hmm.
1: And they go the distance, and they give you that big pop of color through the entire summer season, from the day you plant them
0: mm-hmm. until
1: they get frost.
0: They look great. Okay, I do. I, I love them too. I don't think they're boring. <laughs> I like them. Um, okay, so you're you, well. You like them all. I like, like them all. all. Give us some. Uh, give us some. Um, some suggestions for um, like. Uh, let's start with the the thriller. The you know, the main, the one that really pops, the Um, focal point, I guess. The focal point,
1: yes. The accent plants for the back of a bed or the centerpiece in a pot, um, I love a cordialine. That's also called the Hawaiian Thai plant. Mm-hmm. It's kind of got a, a burgundy fuchsia foliage to it. And you can find it in the interior plant section of a lot of the retail stores. That's a fabulous centerpiece for a shade container. Mm-hmm. Um, really nice pop of color. Okay. Um, in beds, I do love the... Elephant ears. And the black diamond elephant ear came on the market a couple of years ago and it has been a crowd pleaser. It can get like six feet tall in one season and it gets a huge mass to it. And it's one of our most talked about plants. And red bananas are another one. Ooh, I love those. Just a fun texture, very tropical, great to put around a swimming pool or, you know, anywhere you want to feel like you're at the beach or it's summertime. That's a great plant to use. Now, what about
0: grasses? There are... Wait. Wait. Okay. Before we get into grasses, because there's some fabulous grasses out there, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about grass.
3: Awesome. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like.
4: Quick Stakes, that's...
0: Welcome back to the Master Gardener Hour. I'm your host, Anita McKee, and we're here with Jeannie Hardgrave, and we're talking about flowers. Now, right before the break, we were to- we were just about to go into uh, the accent plants, grasses. There's some fabulous ones, and I wanted to tell us or tell you about, about those. Uh, there's a lot of
1: really cool ornamental grasses. We've been using purple fountain grass in the landscape for many, many years, and that's the burgundy grass that gets kind of a brownish um, flower stem on it. On it. And it's I love grasses because when the wind blows, they move. And anything that moves catches your eye. And you think about a flag or, you know, anything that's moving makes you look to it. So grasses are used to draw your attention somewhere. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, you don't want to use grasses around your utility box because that's drawing attention to something that's ugly. So use those grasses to bring attention to something that's beautiful. Um, the purple fountain grass is a great grass, and there have been a lot of variations on that over the years that have been introduced. One of my favorites was introduced by um, It's All Natural, and this is called Fireworks. And it is a miniature fountain grass. It only gets about two feet tall and it still has that burgundy color, but there's a variation in it and it gets some pink tones in there and some white tones and it really does look like a little firework. It's fun to put in a pot because it's small enough to put into a container garden um, and you can use it in the landscape as well. It's just not going to get as tall as its brother, the purple fountain grass. There's another grass that Saul's introduced called um, Skyrocket and it's another one of the smaller grasses and it is green and white and it's really fun to put in a container as well. If you want to go big, then the Princess Caroline grass is really a neat plant. It's got a wide blade on it and it is almost black. Um, it's going to be about four feet tall, and it is it is almost a pure black, and it really makes a strong statement. And it gets so large, you really just need one plant um, in kind of a normal sized
0: bed. Okay. What about cannas?
1: I love you- cannas cannas give you a nice texture, they give you that large leaf texture and it makes a nice background for the bed, but then you have that pop of color at the top. Mm Cannas, they have been breeding those over the years, and there's some new introductions in the dwarf canna line, which I really like. There's red, there's yellow, there's salmon, there's pink, there's even a white canna available now. Really? Yes. And they're, they're really neat. With the cannas, you do have to watch out for Japanese beetles when we get into that June, July beetle season, mm-hmm. um, because they do love a canna lily, but I think they're worth it.
0: Okay, and don't do anything evil like I've done in the past. Don't take those pheromone bags and put it in your neighbor's yard, thinking that the 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 beetle, the Japanese beetles, will go to their yard because it just brings them into the area. So exactly. Don't, stay, don't have evil thoughts with those pheromone <laughs> bags,
1: and they'll eat your garden on the way to
0: the bag. Absolutely, so. <laughs> absolutely. Um, let's see, what if I have seen Kimberly Queen ferns? in beds and they look fabulous oh yes the kimberly
1: queen ferns are neat because they can go in the full sun or the full shade and they have a very upright rigid leaf structure so they give you that nice dark green color that we've talked about earlier that dark green is a fabulous background because it gives your other colors something to bounce off of so the kimberly queen's a good choice but it gets wide it it, gets it can pretty, get it can get because I've seen it see grow up and then it goes out exactly okay. okay. There is a macho fern, yes. and you buy that as a one gallon plant, or it comes in a ten inch pot, mm-hmm. and that thing will get three to four feet wide in one season. It is shade only, okay. but I do love a macho fern.
0: I kind of like macho too. I do too. It's a macho, <laughs> macho fur. telling you. We could, we could break out in song, <laughs> can't we? Macho, macho man. We probably don't need to sing. They would turn their radios I off. I know they don't want to hear me sing. I can tell you that right now. Okay. So, um, what about border plants? Cause I know sedums, we talked about that. The fanflower. I think we kind of hit on that, didn't we? The fanflower we did. Um, Portulaca
1: is a good choice if you've Mm -hmm. got a dry area that's also moss roses. Mm -hmm. Um, They're a succulent plant, so there's lots of water held in their leaves. They don't need a whole lot of water or a whole lot of attention. They Mm -hmm. just kind of do their thing, and they stay low to the ground.
0: So that's a neat little border plant. Okay, okay. What about, uh, um, I just want to talk briefly about irrigation. Um, What you like? Rotors? tear tear everything up unless it's grass so what do you what do you recommend
1: if um, if you're putting in a brand new irrigation system, I would recommend separating your irrigation zones. You want a different zone to water your flowers and a, a separate zone to water your turf and then another one to water your shrubs. All three of these types of landscape materials need different water requirements. Um, and if you have a dedicated zone just for your flowers, you can control the water to your plants more readily. I prefer a fixed spray in a flower bed. And what that means is the irrigation head pops up and it doesn't move. The spray comes out and it just stays consistent over one area and it doesn't go back and forth. The rotor zones pop up and the head moves over. It swivels around, and it's not as consistent on your flowers as the fixed sprays are. And
0: it usually the the water comes out a lot lot faster and harder, it it'll does. tear up the plants.
1: It can. Yes. If they're too close, it
0: can definitely damage What about it. drip? People started doing this drip thing when we had the, the drought in the South. I'm not a fan of drip, but...
1: Um, You know, from an efficiency standpoint, drip is the most efficient way to get water to the roots of your plant. Um, In a shrub zone, a tree zone, I think drip is the way to go. It's fabulous. In a flower bed where you've got to take the drip out and till the bed and then put the drip back year Mm -hmm. after year, it's a lot more difficult, and it takes so long to cover the drip lines up with your plant material or if you cover it with bark. It, it doesn't look as clean. Mm-hmm. I prefer the fixed sprays in the annual beds, but the drip
0: definitely has its place in the landscape. Okay, okay. And how often do you, when you when you put in a bed, how often, let's say, I mean, well, you can't, you don't know about the rain. How often should people water the beds?
1: In the summer, I like to water daily for the first one to two weeks
0: mm-hmm. because
1: the roots are so shallow and the and the plants they are dried. such babies they can dry out quickly after they those roots start to break out of where the the pot was then we can go more to a three times a week type of irrigation schedule
0: okay, okay. It's, all right something popped in my head that we forgot Mulch. What do you use as a top dressing in your beds? What do you like to use? I prefer
1: the pine bark mini nuggets. And the reason I like pine bark is, um, first of all, the pH is right. And that means it's not too basic and it's not too acidic for your plants. It's just perfect. The other thing about the pine bark mini-nuggets is they don't stick together. If you use a shredded hardwood, the little fibers in the wood kind of um, start oh, matting together. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then it's hard for the water to get in or out of the bed. It just forms like this carpet. Mm-hmm. And if the water gets into the bed, it can stay stuck for too long and cause disease for the roots. And if, if it's too dry, it's hard for the water to get in. And it's not... It, you are it's, absolutely uh, right. Mm-hmm. I did
0: not think about that. Yes. And See, you're saving it for myself. <laughs>
1: exactly. And by all means, avoid anything with a dye in it. Okay. I know those, those shredded, um, dyed mulches are so pretty, mm-hmm. but the plants are too tender and they're too young and sensitive. And if you put those dyed mulches on your, um, bedding plants, mm-hmm. they're not going to do very well. In my business, we will not warranty a property that has dyed mulch on their flowers.
0: Oh, that's okay. how
1: strongly I feel about dyed
0: mulch. Now, what about compost? I've seen people put compost on top of their beds as a as a, a, a top dressing. How is? I don't think that that works as well from
1: a water okay. retention property.
0: Okay.
1: Um, I like mulch because it it helps hold the moisture in the bed, and it helps hold the weeds down. Okay. And. With the larger, with those tiny, tiny little chips of nature's helper or earth food, there's so much surface area on that. That little piece of mulch is going to dry out very quickly. Okay. And the larger pieces of like a pine bark mini nugget. Now, we don't want the big chunks like they put on a playground. We want the mini mini nuggets. nuggets. Um, That is going to help hold the water in there to keep the plants happy.
0: Okay. All right. I did. You know, I never thought about that for hardwood mulch. Mm -hmm. I have been a bad girl for quite some time. Okay, I'm going to be better. We've
1: done experiments, and we, you know, we've tried the cypress, we've tried the shredded hardwoods, we've tried the dyed mulches, and hands down, that pine bark mini nugget grows the best flower. Okay. You do want to remove it at the end of the season. Don't till it back into the bed. When you go into the next flower rotation, rake that stuff off, and you can use it somewhere else in your yard. Don't put it back on your flower bed, but you don't want to incorporate it either.
0: Right, because in order for that stuff to break down, it takes the nitrogen out of the soil, and the plants need the nitrogen. Exactly. A lot of people don't know that. Right. Okay, Before before I forget about it, let's talk about containers briefly. Um, I've seen your containers. They're fabulous. They are jammed with plants. There's so many plants in there, but they look so fabulous. And there's got to be enough soil in there or they wouldn't be doing so well. Right. So tell me, and and you do the thriller, the spiller, and the filler thing with that. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Um,
1: When we do containers, when we first plant the container, it doesn't look like it does in the photos on the website. Okay. You know, we plant um, four-inch material, and there is space in between it. Okay. if you pack everything at the beginning of the season, it's not going to go the distance. Okay. Um, give everything room to grow. If it can breathe and it can grow, then it is going to look its best. If you overpack everything, it's not going to be healthy.
0: Okay. And what about the soil? What you just use a good
1: any of the potting, potting mixes soil. that you get. They're all great.
0: And then a slow release fertilizer, same thing. Exactly. Top dress it with pine, bark, nut, mm-hmm. and mini nuggets. And, exactly. Okay. So, and then um, irrigation pots dry out faster. They do. They do maybe every day a little bit a little bit of something every day maybe
1: it depends on what your weather condition if it's in the sun or the shade but okay. if you've got a full sun container um, it's going to be tougher the bigger the container that you can afford the less you're going to have to water it right. if you use little tiny terracotta pots you're going to have to water them maybe even twice a day Ooh. but if you get big pots mm-hmm. it, you get big pots that say something instead of a bunch of tiny pots
0: just get a few big ones big ones. And you can say more. Okay, that's good. Well, we like we like to say we have (laughs) lots to say. We have lots to say. We do have lots to say. So, um, I say plants. Let's talk about. um, Let's just talk about some plants, um, flowers that I've seen. Um, or maybe not. I just, <laughs> I think I just got the sign that we're, we're almost at the very end. Well, we'll have to do, the, do this again. But um, can, the, can people go on your website, simplyflowersinc.com? Do you have a list of flowers that you use that are tried and true and that they can just kind of check out? You, they can look at the
1: pictures and. But well, they can look at the pictures, and we've also got a link to our Facebook page that okay. has even more pictures mm-hmm. on there. Okay. And um, we're also on Howes.
0: Okay. Well, I urge everybody to take a look at her website. Um, you're going to be very impressed with what you see. And um, thank you for coming in, and I'm, fi- I'm glad we finally got together. This has been fun, and I expect uh, a lot of gorgeous flowers this summer. Thank you for asking me. Thank you for listening to the Master Gardener Hour. Have a great day.
3: You're listening to
1: AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.